Hi, this is Kev Legs Walker, and you are about to hear a podcast of an interview that appeared on Shades of Blues here on The Cat. And there will be plenty more as we delve into the archives. Sit back and enjoy. In my continuing quest to bring you blues from around the world, we now travel across the seas to see Joanne Parker. Joanne, are you well? Doing very well. Thank you so much. Good, good, good. You're getting a lot of praise for your latest album, are you? You must be overwhelmed. Yeah, it's always wonderful when you make art and people like it. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, it's been really great to see the the comments and the reviews and all of that and getting the radio airplay. Always wonderful when that happens. You didn't come across blues until fairly recently. Yeah, I have been... In this genre, I guess you could say for about, I think this is year nine, and I started out in a cover band um, and then kind of started writing music after that. So under my own name, this is year six, I think. Uh, so yeah, not not too, and I'm 40, maybe 43 this month, so in a few days. And so, you know, yeah, I did start a little bit later in life. Well, you were classically trained as a pianist and you actually got a degree at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, didn't you? Yes, yep, I have a degree in instrumental music education actually. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have designs at that time of going in that direction as a classical pianist? Uh, Well, I wanted to teach in the schools. I wanted to be a band director Uh, and so I thought I would, you know, do piano on the side Um, and I taught for about three years and then I had my first child, and then I actually went into church music. So um, it's just been kind of all over the place for me musically. What were you listening to when you were growing up? Was it a musical household when you were a child? Yeah, musical household. I mean, I've been playing piano and and singing since I was really little, two and four years old. Um, My mom was pretty conservative in her musical choices and so there was a lot of gospel music and um i i did have an uncle her brother who actually was more of a influence on what i listened to because he had a large record collection and he was very eclectic in what he liked uh up where i grew up we didn't have much of a choice as far as radio went it was kind of country music or classic rock so i didn't get much exposure to anything different there but my uncle larry had very large, like I said, a very large collection. And he listened to anything from Deep Purple to uh, Amy Lou Harris to Johnny Cash to, I mean, just and anything and everything in between. So that's kind of where I picked up my love for all kinds of music. And he really expanded my, my mind. So it was great. Well, you mentioned gospel music and your connection to the church back in those days, but a lot of great soul and blues singers have come through the gospel roots, haven't they? Oh, yeah, very many. In fact, you know, many of my favorites. I don't, <laughs> people always ask me what I'm listening to now, and I don't listen to a lot of modern music. I mostly listen to old old stuff, 60s, 70s, soul, and uh, most of those people started there. You know, Sam Cooke, one of my absolute favorites, he was in the group called the Soulsters, and uh, that was his early music. So, yeah, it's definitely a huge influence on, on that genre. Well, you were asked to join the band when you performed uh, Chain of Fools by Aretha Franklin at the talent contest, weren't you? Yep, that's how I got started. Uh, that's <laughs> the very first time. I wasn't in a band. I, you know, like I said, I was teaching and then I was doing church music and I 
was in a contest just for fun and and won the contest. The, the guy who was the band leader at the time said, well, who better to pick for your singer than the, the winner of a singing contest? So mm. that's how I got the job. <laughs> and is it fair to say that that was your introduction to blues music, though? I mean, yeah, for the most part. I, I mean, I knew, of course, Aretha. You know, everybody knows Aretha, right? Because Aretha was on every radio station. She, she kind of brought the blues and gospel into your home wherever you were i think so that was that was when i knew um but yeah after that i started going to blues jams because i really wanted to throw myself into learning everything i could about blues that's the kind of person i am i i want to know the context so i can do it right and so uh our actually mark who is my guitar player now he was our second guitar player so he led a bunch of blues jams around town asked me to come and so I started started really getting into the very beginning of blues from Robert Johnson, you know, and all the old, old blues guys to Muddy Waters and then to Chicago blues and all kinds of that uh, music. And then I picked up guitar and started playing guitar. So, yeah, that was that was really what threw me into that. You say that you, you like to study and get into the, the heart of the music, for want of a better phrase. One quote that I saw about you is, no matter what she's singing, Joanne Parker's songs have an emotional honesty. Do you think you get that from those old songs, though? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, uh, Sam, like I said, Sam Cook, one of my favorite artists. Etta James, also one of my favorite artists. Those people are my favorites because they do exactly that, what you said about me, is that I believe every word they sing. Um, I believe that they mean it. And that's really important for me as an artist is that people believe me. And so I don't really do anything that I don't believe in because I, I would, I feel, would feel like I was being dishonest with, with my audience. So yeah, definitely I choose music to listen to that feels that way to me. So if you were to do a covers album, say, you would have to choose the songs carefully because you would have to be singing from the heart. Definitely, yeah. And I pick my covers carefully in my shows, even, you know, when I do live shows. We don't do a lot of covers because I write my own music, but, you know, I, there are songs that are just wonderful songs that I love, and, and, uh, and yeah, I am, I'm very careful about that. And in 2015, you went to Memphis for the International Blues Challenge, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yep, sure did. That was a good time. And while you were there, you went to the Stax Museum, and according to the quote I see here, it was when you went there that you thought, this is it, this is what I should be doing. Yeah, it was really the soul music that got me, I think. You know, of course I love old, you know, blues, but the soul music really grabbed me and, and shook me up. And uh, and so that you can hear a lot of that in my music, for sure. Was the gold limousine there when you went? It sure was. <laughs> 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 gotta, gotta love Isaac Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for anybody who hasn't seen it, it's not just gold plated; it's fur lined and everything. It's just yes. ostentatious, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yep, yep, and spinning around so you can see all angles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you're also very passionate about trying to get young people into the blues, aren't you? Yeah, I I really think that's important, um, and I think that that the evolution of the blues. You know, there are a lot of people who out there who really don't subscribe to the blues changing. Um, they like it the way they like it. They like it to not sound too new, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, but I think 
it's an art form that breathes, and I think it's it's really good to um, continue to create new forms of it because everything does change. And once young people can kind of grab onto something that they understand, then they'll probably be like me, and they'll go, "Well, what else is there? Let's go look and let's let's find out the history of this." And you know, it's all it's all good, all of it. It is heartening to see that there are younger people come through like Christone Kingfish Ingram who's making yeah. a, a big name for himself so there is a next generation for want of a better phrase but you quoted as saying that you've done concerts and you, you sit hear a lot of young people saying I don't like blues but then when they hear it they think oh yeah I actually do yeah it's actually kind of funny yeah when you when you let them listen to something and, that, and they go oh, I like that and then you say well that's blues they go oh <laughs> you know they don't they don't even really know what it is. And so that's what I mean. It's like, it's nice if you can grab them with something and that they, that they like. And those, that's why I say, I think those labels are, um, are harmful sometimes because um, people have this idea in their head of what blues is and um, they might be just biased toward it for some reason. So, you know, just any door that will open them to listening more is good. There was a series on television a few years ago American Epic it was called and the mm-hmm. culmination of the series was getting contemporary artists to record old songs using the original equipment from the 1920s oh, and cool. it was just superb just one mic in the middle of the room and people just singing around yeah. that mic and there was a yeah. rapper on there whose name I cannot remember but he did this jug band song from the 1920s and he said that the lyrical content of that could apply to today. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing when you actually take the time. <laughs> That's what I mean. I think people, they don't know. They just don't know what they don't know. And so when they find out, because the blues is so, and a lot of that old music, folk music and stuff, it's so real. People were writing about what they knew, but, but a lot of it's about humanity. Humanity is still humanity. We still have the same same problems, right? <laughs> I, mean, I, I was going to say, unfortunately, yes, we do have the same kind of uh, problems yeah. and attitudes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, your album Hard to Love, uh, you produced that along with your guitarist, Mark, didn't you? Yep, that the the one, Hard to Love for the last two two records ago. Yep. Mm-hmm. Was that your first experience of producing? Um, yeah, uh, we did that one pretty much on our own with a friend who kind of helped us out. Um, who actually isn't even on the record because he didn't want to be, he doesn't want his name on there <laughs> because he doesn't really, he was kind of getting out of doing it. And so he said, don't even put my name on there. I don't even want to do this anymore after this. But, um, so yeah, he kind of helped us out and, and it was good because it was a good learning experience and to have, you know, to have somebody who was really helpful. Was it a daunting prospect to produce yourself? Um, Kind of. Uh, I mean, I, I really enjoyed making Out of the Dark and having Kevin Bow produce it this time and help. I mean, we, we co-produced it with him, but comparing the two processes, uh, it's definitely nice to have somebody like Kevin who just knows what he's doing. I mean, he's so good and he knows. I think it's important to have somebody that really knows what you're trying to do and understands, you know, your genre and what you're looking for, the sound you're going for. I can see how it would be not a good thing if you had somebody who was just making you a record and didn't really care about any of that stuff. Because I've, you know, I've, I've heard horror stories about that as well. So in that case, it would be better to just do it on your own because then, you know, it would take you longer. It's a lot more work, but um, it would be a better product, I think, in the end. You'd be more satisfied with it. So if I had to choose, 
I mean, I love working with somebody like Kevin. Um, and, and, and he lets me co-produce, which is my preferable role. I think, um, it's just to co-produce with somebody. Oh, well, imagine the danger is if you are self-producing, you, you're always thinking, I can just improve that little bit and I can just improve that yep. And it, yep. it's never ending. You need someone to come in and say, no, it's good enough as it is. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You will nitpick it to death and you will never, you will never stop because the Neckard record, a Neckard a record <laughs> is, I don't think it's ever finished. You just quit. <laughs> I mean, otherwise you would just keep tweaking things. So I just say you just, you know, you just have to quit at one point and just say it's done. Well, I mean, this is another thing that when you record the song in the studio, but then you take it out on tour, it evolves when you're out on the stage. For sure. Yeah, all the time. And that's okay, too. Exactly, yes. Have you ever done an acoustic album? No, have not done that yet. Uh, I would like to. That's, you know, uh, Mark and I do, a, we actually do an old school gospel and blues uh, show, and we've actually talked about writing our own record that sounds like that so that's that might be in the works at some point if you were to do that would it be original songs or would you delve into the history of what's inspired you um i would i think both would be great um i thought about writing some of my own stuff and sound in fact i i have one song that i've written that sounds sounds like that um so maybe a mix of both right and your latest album out of the dark I do have a slight bone to pick with you because it's been so hard to find what track to play because they're all darn good. <laughs> well, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, was that a labor of love? Yeah, I mean, it was It was so weird with COVID, you know. I mean, we were supposed to have it done and out by June and... Of course, that didn't happen because we had gone into the studio and done a few sessions and then we got shut down. So it really gave me a chance to think about what I was doing, why I was doing it, um, kind of get away from the pressure of just do, 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 get it done, get it done and go, OK, why am I doing this? What do I really want this to sound like? You know, who am I making this for? <laughs> mm. um, and then I ended up writing Out of the Dark in June. So that song wouldn't have even happened had we not been shut down. And I love that song. I think it's a really important song. Um, and so, yeah, definitely. So it, it was, it turned into something that I didn't, you know, often when you're an artist, I think you just feel like you have to make the next thing, right? You have to keep it going. You have to come up with some content. You have to make the thing to keep people's attention. And, and, and especially in the social media, Spotify era, you know, people want the next thing. And so, I was able to just stop and go, okay, what do I want to do? And and why is this important? So, you know, it, I think it just turned out really, really well. I'm really happy with it. Well, in England, restrictions are just about lifting now that people can socialise a lot more. I do believe that over in America, you've been having gigs and things for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months now. Yeah, we've been out working probably for i think it's probably been a couple of months at this point yeah mm -hmm. so are you penciling more in or are you still fairly cautious about that kind of thing no we're really busy i mean i've done a lot of uh, mark and i uh, my guitar player partner we we do a lot of duo acts so we're doing a lot of acoustic um shows just because um mostly because a lot of businesses are struggling and they're still just not up to booking 
they can't afford it at this point, you know, to, to book full bands and things are kind of struggling to get back in that capacity. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of duo acts, which are fun. It's great. People are really uh, supportive and excited to see us. Um, we've done more, you know, I do this Patsy Klein tribute show. We've been doing some, uh, a few of those because they're kind of more of a theater type show. Uh, so we've been doing that. And, uh, yeah, we're really busy. We're just, it's, it's good to be working. I'm just happy. I kind of just took all the work I could when it came. <laughs> so, so we're very, we're very busy and grateful for, for the work. Well, is it too early to talk about tours or the possibility of you coming to the UK? Oh, I would love to come to the UK. I have no, who knows? You know, I said my, my mantra now is roll with it. So whatever happens, let's just go with it. <laughs> That's what 2020 <laughs> taught me. Uh, you know, my Steve Winwood roll with it is just like my theme song now. I, I would, I mean, I'd love to plan something like that. You know, that's, I actually was just talking with Mark about that yesterday about trying to find uh, somebody to get us some bookings over there because I sure would love to, to, to make it across the pond. Well, you hinted earlier that there's the possibility of an acoustic album somewhere down the line. Do you have plans already for the next album or are you concentrating on this at the moment? Um, we, I've been talking to Kevin. Uh, we've done a couple pre-production things, um, just getting some demos down and teaching the band some new songs. And I think we're planning on going in and just starting starting the process pretty soon. Uh, so, so yeah, definitely, definitely going to start working again. Excellent. I look forward to the next one. And uh, <laughs> thank you for taking the time out to do this. Oh, you bet. It's my pleasure, Kev. Okay, and hopefully we will see you over here in the UK at some point in the future. That would be lovely. I, that would be great. And I hope you enjoyed that little interview there, and there will be more as we record more for the show, and we are going to delve into the archives and pull some of the old ones out as well. So, plenty more to come, and of course, if you want to hear the whole show, there is always Listen Again. I'll see you next time. Take care.